Hey guys, before this episode begins, I just want to let you all know that I partnered with DAT Bootcamp to offer a 10% discount code on all bootcamp products. While studying for my DAT, I found DAT Bootcamp to be the best resource during my preparation. Their extensive review videos and practice exams are second to none. Use code DOD10 at checkout for a 10% discount, applicable to all programs Bootcamp has to offer. Again, that's DOD10 at checkout. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dose Dental Podcast. The focus of this podcast is to share undergraduate and dental school experiences from dental students and dental professionals through valuable discussions. Through sharing the journeys and stories of current dental students and dental professionals, our goal is to help you find answers or guidance for your own pre-dental journeys. We are super excited to have current NYU dental students Mark and David Abayev as our guests today. Mark and David both graduated from Rutgers University. They are now D3 students at the NYU College of Dentistry. Their experiences shadowing, assisting, and immersing themselves into the pre-dental society of Rutgers culminated into pursuing a career in dentistry. Guys, welcome to, welcome to the podcast. Uh, how are you guys been? How's your D3 here been treating you? Doing well, man. Thank you for having us. Doing awesome. Doing awesome. Great to be here. That sounds great. So, so I know you guys are in D3 year. Um, so how I guess we'll start with that. How's that been? So yeah, D3 has definitely been a roller coaster. Um, they don't lie when, you know, they say it's, you know, the last pit stop before, you know, smooth sailing. Um, but um, yeah, it's been going well. You know, we're going to be headed into our second semester um, in the upcoming new year and uh, can't wait to get started. Yeah, kind of like Mark said, D3 really is like that last final pit stop before you're really like full blown into clinic. Um, Really, D3, the toughest part about D3 is the adjustment between juggling clinic with the didactics. So it's a mix of like half and half. So um, the way NYU does it is we have two days we're fully in clinic and the other days could be, you know, rotation days. Um, The toughest part about juggling that is, you know, you're having a full day in clinic, eight to five, treating patients, you know, walking on your feet all day and then finding the willpower to sit home and study and, you know, get it done when we have exams every single week. Uh, it could be tough to do, but you know, with good time management, it's always possible. And it all sounds great. We'll definitely get into the nitty gritty of you know how dental school really is. But let's start at the beginning. So, um, you know, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, you know, where you grew up, what you like to do for fun, stuff like that. For sure. So, um, pretty much, we grew up uh, in Jersey. We moved out from Queens, New York, uh, when I was five or um, what you have, uh, um, and David was a year younger. Um, so we were pretty young, uh, grew up mostly in Jersey. So we're Jersey boys, um, and decided to go to, uh, Rutgers, uh, nearby. Um, so I majored in, uh, bio, um, and, uh, from there, uh, just decided to, you know, explore dentistry as a, as a profession. Um, I was always interested in medicine, but, uh, right before I started Rutgers, I actually decided to do some more research and, um, thought, Dentistry was a better fit for me, um, but yeah, I've been loving it ever since. Yes, yeah, so similar to Mark, I, I grew up alongside of in Jersey, you know, ever since I was four, three or four years old. Um, we pretty much did everything together from a young age. Um, our parents really encouraged us to stick together um, and just have each other's backs. And so going into it, we both knew that we wanted to attend Rutgers, something that was close to home, you know, a little bit on the cheaper side because of the in-state tuition. Um, and so while Mark majored in bio, 
I also started off as a bio major and then decided pretty late, you know, my second year, I decided really wasn't for me. I really didn't enjoy it. Um, so I decided to change over to public health, which kind of pushed me back in terms of graduating, you know, in terms of the timeline. But honestly, I love that decision. I really feel like it uh, will really make me into a better dentist overall in order to see the bigger picture of the community. And so, um, yeah, since then, you know, I decided to to go full force of public health and, and never look back. That sounds awesome. So, um, you know, let's start at the beginning. So why why did you guys get into dentistry? Like what made you, uh, you know, choose this path, obviously? So, I mean, David will tell you, he has a funny story. Um, so, but um, I always was interested in healthcare, um, you know, from that standpoint. But, um, you know, being in the volunteering in the hospital setting, I realized that really wasn't for me i didn't really see a good um foundation of a patient um physician relationship so i thought you know let me look into another uh healthcare profession and um you know david had suggested that you know he's always been interested in dentistry so i kind of decided to look into it myself and found that um there was a better uh you know relationship between the dentist and the uh patient um, and just from growing up, going to the de dentist, I saw that firsthand, you know, I always had a good relationship with my dentist, um, you know, the whole shtick between, you know, uh, floss every day and brush twice a day, uh, always stuck with me. And I felt, you know, going into this profession with my brother alongside, uh, would be definitely a good thing. And just because we were, we always grew up together and, um, did everything together, uh, kind of like David suggested. Um, so looked into it a little further, did some shadowing and thought this was, this was it. So I stuck with it ever since. Yeah. So for me, kind of like how Mark mentioned, um, I knew I wanted to do dentistry for a while. Um, I really don't know why, but in the seventh grade, I was, my social studies teacher had us write a paper that, you know, it was going to be a letter that we write to ourselves that wouldn't be open until you graduate high school. And in that letter, there was like a portion where you had to input, you know, what you want to do as a career. And I don't know why, but I took that assignment really, really seriously. And uh, I did a lot of research and I found dentistry. And like, I guess at the time, what was it? Like 12, 13 year old David at the time was like, wow, dentistry is an awesome fit because I'm able to help people while also having the autonomy to run my own you know, business one day, God willing. Um, so everything kind of culminated into like, wow, like dentistry is the perfect fit. Let me commit to this. And in that letter, I wrote the very first sentence of the career portion. I wrote, when I grow up, I want to be a dentist and I want to go to NYU College of Dentistry. I wrote that verbatim in that letter. Um, fast forward to interview days, I was able to bring that letter with me to my interview, showed it to the admissions committee, and they loved it. They loved it. Um, and kind of how Mark said, I was able to kind of bring him over to the dark side of dentistry, you know, take him away from medicine and bring him over to dentistry and uh, convince him, listen, like this is, this is something that, you know, we're both can be committed to and, you know, we have each other and really... Um, as long as we have each other's backs and, you know, there really shouldn't be anything that gets in our way. Um, so ever since then, we stuck through it and uh, stuck in college with it and then applied together. And thank God it all worked out, all fell into place. I mean, that's like very unique to have, like, it's like proof, right? That you, <laughs> right. you're you not, you're not lying on your, on your application or anything like that, right? That's kind of crazy. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, a lot of people ask me, you even like, personally like why aren't you why don't you just go to medicine like why did you decide to go dentistry because a lot of times people view dentistry as like oh 
So you went, you were pre-med, but you just decided to branch off into this. Why'd you do that? Right. Easier or whatever? Med school dropouts. Exactly. And I'm like, that's not, that's not the mentality you should have because it's more, it's more like the dentistry is a whole different, I guess, side of patient interaction, right? Because even when I'm uh, as an assistant myself, um, on the daily, I'm like dealing with the patient. I feel like dental assistants deal with the patient more than a doctor has to sometimes just because of how much, how much time you spend with them, right? So that's the part I love about it. Cause I mean, every patient is different and every day is different. So, um, that's awesome. And, and the fact that you had that letter with you to the admissions committee, that's pretty, that's pretty unique. Um, yeah, we'll get to the interviews too later, but so now, so, uh, David, so now that you, you knew that you wanted to go dentistry as, as at a young age, right? So how did you go into college, um, knowing that this is what you want to do? How'd you organize your experiences? And even maybe Mark can chime in on this as well. Yeah, so definitely made my transition into college a lot smoother. Um, going into Rutgers, Rutgers is a really large school, so uh, it could be kind of like a little bit of a wake-up call. Um, coming in from a high school, going into you know a classroom that has over you know 400 people in one class, one lecture hall, really could be intimidating. But knowing that I wanted to be dentistry and knowing that that was my goal at the end of the day, it really allowed me to kind of develop my schedule, my course load, you know, accordingly. Um, from the, you know, early from the gate, like I knew exactly that I needed to, you know, approach my health professions office. I needed to take certain courses that would allow me to graduate on time, which ended up not happening, but listen, here we are today. It's all good. Um, but it really just makes the transition a lot, lot smoother. And that's something that I really encourage a lot of people to do is to really figure it out early. Like while you're in high school, take that time, you know, to shadow, you know, take the time to assist, take the time to, you know, network with other dentists in your community and really, you know, get to understand their experience and maybe, you know, see if that's something that you'd want to do. Um, and if it is really just commit to it and, you know, everything else will fall into place eventually. For sure. And, um, I mean the transition from high school to, um, you know, college, it's a meant, it's meant to kind of see where you're at and kind of evolve as you get into, uh, you know, college, not everyone has that, um, you know, ability to kind of know what, what they want to do before, uh, they head into a uh, college. So, uh, David and I were more or less kind of uh, lucky in that aspect where we kind of, you know, knew more or less what we wanted to do. But, you know, going into college, I saw it all the time, you know, people just switched, you know, from pre-med to pre-dental or whatever it may be, you know, from business to pre-med or, uh, you know, vice versa. So, you know, you, you see that evolution uh, happen as you're, you know, taking all these classes. Um, but the whole thing is, you know, it's as, you know, as long as you have a passion for it, um, and you're capable of just pushing through the, the rigors of the curriculum, um, you know, nothing should be stopping you at the end of the day. And, you know, a good support system at home really does help. And, uh, having David, um, you know, years apart, a year apart really does help, you know, uh, just push you through that, uh, that rigor. And it's kind of weird how everyone has this expectation to figure it out where you're like 17 or 18 years old, right? And even me personally as a freshman, like, which is like two years ago, but as a freshman, um, you know, I went in pre-med just because that I knew I wanted to do something science, right? And pre-med just seems like the best, uh, you know, title to put on that for now, like as long as you, until you figure it out. Right. Um, you know, and as you go through college and stuff and you kind of take it upon yourself to explore other things, right? Um, that's kind of where I found dentistry as you know, this, this awesome profession where you use your hands, your great patient interaction, um, you see a variety of things, um, stuff like that. So that's kind of where, um, you know, I found that through shadowing and, and, and eventually assisting. 
So what kind of role did, um, you know, shadowing and assisting play, play in your guys's uh, pursuit of dentistry? So we actually both did uh, a fellowship um, and uh, this fellowship actually contained a lot of shadowing in terms of um, different aspects of dentistry. So there was the general dentistry portion at a federally qualified health center. Uh, and that's pretty much where um, low income uh, individuals go where you know they could get their care um and um aside from that we also uh were assisting in we're shadowing in like you know specialty offices you know you got your endo your ortho um and uh that kind of gave us a broad overview of what dentistry was as a profession because it's not just you know general dentistry it's it's a whole facet of other uh i guess specialized professions within dentistry um, and it kind of opened us to a realm of, you know, various other parts of dentistry, which I really liked. Um, and, um, you know, that gave me a, a better understanding of what dentistry was because general dentistry is only the foundation. And then you have your other, you know, portions of, of what dentistry really is. Um, and aside from that, you know, uh, the volunteering that I mentioned in a local hospital that really helped just understand the, uh, patient, um, physician relationship and what it's meant to be a provider in, uh, in your local community. So I definitely think shadowing is important, but only to a certain extent. I think if it's something like if dentistry is something that you're just starting to look into, or you just found out about, um, it can definitely help you kind of, kind of help, it can help you open, can help open your eyes to what dentistry really is. Um, but. I don't think shadowing is good in the long term. Um, if, say, for example, you know dentistry is what you want to do, like you're committed to it, uh, I would really encourage people to uh, look into assisting instead, because as great as shadowing can be, that's really all you are. You're a shadow, you know. And a lot of times it can be kind of hard to, you know, see what the dentist is doing, see what the, what's going on in the procedure. That's really challenging, and that's what I felt going into, you know, shadowing. Uh, these various dentists that I have is that I really didn't get to see all there is to dentistry. Um, so I would really encourage, you know, a lot of people to look into assisting instead, um, you know, once they figure out that, you know, dentistry really is for them. And that's definitely something I kind of realized as I went on with the shadowing process, because, um, you know, when you're shadowing, you're standing behind the doc, the dentist and there's an assistant there also. Right. And the mouth is like this big. So like, <laughs> There's not much you can see. Like if it's like a knee surgery, I understand you can see everything you want, but with the mouth and like, especially one tooth, maybe they have like, maybe they're working like 31 or something, right? How are you going to see right. that unless you're on a certain angle? So that's kind of where I was like, you know what? I, I love this, but I want to get in there, right? That's like the next mm -hmm. thing. I feel like it's shadower and then dental assistant and then you go to the dentist, right? So, um, you know, I, I Siraj, you know, this, this is really generous. That's really, really generous. Maybe. I mean, and also, yeah, it depends. Like some people have like maybe this, they, they got, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. You'll definitely, you'll definitely be seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, so, you know, we go from, you know, shadowing a general dentist to, I just started working for like a general dentist and dental, we would just implants and all these other things. So the way I kind of approached it as I started assisting general with implants and like he does, he does root canals, crowns, all these different things, but he doesn't do ortho. He doesn't do like hard hardcore endo he doesn't do um he doesn't do like oral surgery kind of thing so i i feel like once you know a student can get into the sh uh, the assisting realm the realm they can maybe shadow specialties that they don't have at their office right because that's kind of so you know you're not like right. double dipping so 
I guess that's one way to get around it. But, you know, obviously at the beginning, we want to shadow us the best thing to do. Um, and then keep going from there. Um, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you spoke about how you took a gap year, right? And um, I think you got you got your master's, right? So I actually, yeah, I got a master's from uh, Rutgers, New York. Uh, so that's where the dental school is, Rutgers Dental School. Right. Uh, so the uh, master's was in biomedical sciences. It um, You have like a two-year timeline, but you could finish it off in a year. Um, so the program is great in that you could transfer credits from dental school uh, back into that program uh, at Rutgers. Um, and that... Um, and that's what I did. I honestly finished off the program uh, in a year and a half, and then did that other finished that other uh, semester from dental school and transferred over the credits. Um, but yeah, the program was was really great. You, you know, I experienced a lot of shadow, um, not shadow, but uh, research um, that I did um, within the dental school actually, um, and that's something I actually have never done before research. So that's something. Um, new to me but i learned a lot in you know what research what research is um and um i think the master's program really prepared me well for the rigors of dental school um and uh yeah uh looking back at it really helped for sure <clears throat> yeah i mean also you guys took gap years so i'm assuming that's what you did in your gap you, you decided to go for a master's right uh yeah yeah so i just decided to fill in uh my time just with with something that will help, you know, my application stand out. Um, and I think the research really helped me get where I am today, for mm -hmm. sure. <clears throat> yeah, for me, so my, my gap year was was kind of interesting. So like I mentioned, I changed my major a little bit late in the game. Um, so because of that, that required me to take an extra semester of undergrad. Um, so I ended up taking, so I was supposed to graduate in uh, May 2019. Uh, but because of that, I had to take the extra semester. But what ended up happening was I took my DAT that summer in August, um, you know, did pretty well, but didn't do too well in reading comprehension. I got a 15 in reading comprehension and that completely, you know, ruined all the other scores that I got, unfortunately. Um, it's pretty much my, you know, biggest fear came true. And so really that, like that week after I took the DAT, it was kind of like game time for me. You know, I was like, what am I going to do? What's my next step? And so I ultimately decided that that extra semester, instead of taking it that fall, I'm going to take it in the spring and I'm going to use that fall to study for the retake of the DAT. Um, and that's exactly what I did. I ended up retaking the DAT in December. Granted, still got the 15 reading comprehension, um, but I ended up deciding to apply either way. You know, I decided to send out my application uh, that September. I actually got an interview invite from Toro that following month and then NYU came in a couple months after that. So really went to show for myself at least that even though I had that 15 in reading comprehension, which is arguably a really important section that they look at, uh, just because apparently there's some, some correlation with how you do on the boards and reading comprehension, um, it really showed me that dental schools genuinely do look at your application from a holistic point of view, because otherwise I wouldn't be in that in this position where I am today. And I'm really grateful for that factor. So um, that's pretty much how I spent my gap year. So one semester is studying for the DAT, uh, and the other semester finishing up uh, that extra semester that I needed to for my public health degree. And like that's, um, you know, normality now. Um, is something, someone in our comment section actually talked about this. Like they were like, you guys are figuring it out as juniors in college. It doesn't make any sense. Like I figured it out when I was 24, like 25. Like, and that opened my eyes up to like, I, I'm, you know, the, the, the ex expectation for undergraduates nowadays is to get out in like three, four years, right? 
That's the expectation, right. just because that's how it's structured and stuff. But like, what what is your advice to people who don't want to take gap year, but they they feel that they're considering it just because they feel like it might give them upper edge in their on their application? David, go go uh, for this. Sure. So, um, I kind of have a love hate relationship with gap years. And I'll tell you why. Um, the love aspect of of gap years really stems from the fact that it really allows you to you know take that year to just do whatever you want you know because dental school is challenging these next four years is an investment it's investment not only in your education but also in your future overall um so that can be really intimidating you know for someone that's in their low to mid 20s um really doesn't have a lot of stuff figured out so gap years are awesome for people like that that just want to explore want to do something aside from you know sitting down down and on the desk and just studying all day um, so that's really awesome. That's, that's a really unique part about gap years. And the fact that the average age of like dental, uh, entering dental students, incoming D1 students is like 27 or something like that, uh, really shows that you're not really behind. If you take that one year gap year, it's not going to really put you, you know, behind everybody else. It's completely normal. And we actually have a, a student in our class right now who started off as a lawyer, decided that wasn't for him. And at the age of 40 decided, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go to dental school. And so that's exactly what it did. So it's not too late. It's not too late. Um, the hate part of the gap year is that, you know, you're already in the flow of things. You know, you're just finished with undergrad. You already know exactly how, you know, how tiring studying could be. And you just want to get it over with. Just want to get it done. Um, so at the end of the day, I really encourage at least one or two years, you know, to really take it to yourself if that's what you want. But really more than that, you really have to start thinking about the finances in the future. And that's something that a lot of dental students and dentists in general really miss the boat on is the dental business side of it. Um, so you really have to think, okay, every single year that I don't work as a dentist, I'm losing on about $150,000 of dental income, uh, give or take. So, you know, after the one or two years, that's really something that, that you know, people should really start to consider is really the future. So that's my perspective. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just going off of that, um, just like David mentioned, there are a lot of functions for what a gap year should be. Um, and um, for me, that was just doing the master's and retaking my DAT, kind of like David. Um, and it gave me, you know, some time to really sit down and, you know, um, aside from doing the research, aside from doing the master's, just really buckle down and um, get that DAT out of the way. Um, the first so I took my DT uh, three times in total. The first two times I averaged about uh, 18, 19 in the AA. Um, and then I got it up to the third time, uh, uh, 20 AA. Um, and I think that's the score that I was looking for in terms of, um, you know, pairing that up with my, you know, master's GPA uh, and GPA back from uh, college, uh, just to show the, you know, the, admissions office that, you know, I'm committed, um, and this is what I want to do. Um, but also, you know, aside from, you know, just doing school and, you know, your regular curriculum, I think you should take some time to yourself and just kind of explore what you're about. Um, and, you know, take those year or so, you know, just to kind of, um, you know, visit other countries or do something, um, because you're not going to have that time in dental school. Uh, you know, the four years in dental school are meant for you to kind of grow, you know, your knowledge in, in that profession that, you, that you're going for. Um, you're not going to have a lot of time. So I think 
uh, taking that year off or two, um, you know, making it the making the most of it uh, really helps just kind of uh, make you a more well-rounded person uh, aside from the typical, you know, GPA, DAT scores, uh, all the stats. Um, I think uh, admissions want a real conversation um, and having something like that, like a trip or, you know, uh, volunteering trip of some sort, um, that really goes to show that, you know, you're capable of community service. You're willing to just be more than a number. So. And I feel like, you know, gap years uh, take a little bit of stress off of like finishing very fast. Um, and also it gives you an opportunity to expand your your application, right? Because you get to do more things. You, you have more time to, you know, really hone in on stuff that maybe even your own interest that you like to do that you can show on application. I know that um, Dr. Gallagher, who's, uh, who, wait, he goes to NYU as well. You guys, you guys probably know him, but yeah. he, he, um, he told me that his interview was literally about him playing the violin because <laughs> like nothing else, just the violin because that's just what he does as a hobby, right? So, I mean, you can do all these clinical things, but at the end of the day, at, the, at that interview, I guess they want to, know who you are right and you guys can probably test to that um so like before we get to the interview i want to talk a little bit about how did you guys like formulate your dental school application like did you you know how was a personal statement like how did you kind of approach all these different things and how did you kind of put it all together so that you know when NYU looked at you guys they were like yeah i want those guys on my in my class right so for for me the personal statement was an evolution of many edits um <laughs> Um, so I had a lot of mentors in terms of, you know, from undergrad. And then when I went to the masters, I had a couple of, uh, mentors there. Um, so I had a lot of eyes to look at, you know, the personal statement. Um, and you know, really the second time around when I applied, I, I really liked, you know, my personal statement there because I feel like, um, it really put the bow tie in the end in terms of, you know, the research that I did, um, you know, the, the community service, the shadowing. So at that point in, you know, in that application cycle, I felt I was just, you know, more prepared. And uh, uh, I think the personal statement is really meant to uh, highlight all that you did and all that you are uh, to the admissions office and just, you know, really showcase what you're about. That way, when it does come time to interview, you're capable of referring what you wrote in your personal statement and what's on your resume. Um, and, um, you know, it really should flow as um, almost like a conversation, you know, almost as if you're talking to someone, the personal statement really should be vibrant in, in that regard where um, they really, you know, maybe it's a story that you're you're writing about or maybe it's an experience that, that you had. Um, that way they're engaged because they see so many personal statements at the end of the day, thousands of applications. You're just one out of, out of so many. Um, so trying to do your best in, um, making it engaging and interactive as best as you can really helps. Um, and application wise, uh, just, I think, um, just having David and having each other, I think we're able to look at applications from, different standpoints and you know we have different experiences growing up um and i think that really helps uh get us in the door and you know, get us that interview for sure <clears throat> right so kind of how mark was mentioning the personal statement really is one of the most if not the most important part of your application um, because at the end of the day it really tells the admissions 
committee who you are as a person. What makes you you? Why is it that I should completely put aside all the other personal statements and why should I just focus on yours? Um, so a lot of times people are, you know, I see a lot of pre-dental students are looking for that wow factor. You know, they, they want to start off that, that personal statement with something that's like, like something crazy. Like I jumped out of the plane, you know, into Cambodia and I went into this dental clinic and I helped, you know, these, you know, uh, you know, individuals there, you know, it's like, they're always looking for something great, um, which is awesome, which is great. And it's definitely encouraged. But at the end of the day, the admissions committee wants to really know who you are as a person. And if that's who you are, awesome, stick with it. Um, so really just, uh, you your personal statement, you really wanted to embody everything that you are as a person and everything that you want to commit to as a dentist. Um, that's really the most important part. In terms of the other application, uh, this is kind of where knowing, you know, that we wanted to do dentistry coming into college really helped us out because right out the gate, we were able to understand that, okay, by the time we start applying to dental schools, we're going to need letters of recs from professors. So kind of establishing that relationship with professors early on uh, was really, really important for us. And especially in my case, um, the fact that I applied so late in September, I really tried to make sure that my entire application was ready to go. That way, right after I took my DHC, you know, a week or so after I could send it out. And so, you know, a lot of these professors, a lot of these dentists are super busy. So you really want to give yourself enough time to, uh, to, you know, allow them to write a really solid, you know, a letter of rec for you. Um, so really just having everything all together, putting everything all together before you take your DAT or before you're ready to send it out. That's really the most important part. So really kind of getting a head start on your personal statement, getting a head start on requesting those letters of rec, um, getting a head start on your, you know, DAT and studying for that. Um, that's really something that I would encourage for, for pre-dentals to really look into. Um, and, and yeah, just kind of developing those relationships with professors, with dentists, that's super, super important as well. And kind of like how Mark mentioned, you know, the fact that we had each other to, you know, glance over our, pers our personal statements and our application overall, it really helped because even though Mark and I are so close and we do literally everything together, we are different people. I like to say that like, Mark's kind of the yin to my yang, um, you know, <laughs> the strengths that I have, he might not, you know, be so strong in and vice versa, you know, so we're able to kind of come in with this different perspective and uh, it really helped develop our application as a whole. And I think that's something that really spoke to a lot of dental schools, um, specifically NYU, when they decided to accept this. Like you said, like, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, everything, all these things come at you really fast. Like you got to get your letters out. You got to ask for your letters. You got to do your just personal statement. You know, find time for your DAT. So, you know, in if you're in the position to understand that you need to do that, you want to go dentistry early, that's great. But, you know, I guess to the people that, I guess decide like end of junior year or junior year or senior year. Um, I guess I would say like don't panic because there's there's you have you have as much time as you want, right? Because you talked about the gap years. Um so for sure. And I would also say like for rec letters of recommendation, just to make it easier on yourself, really go hard on those like science classes so that you can TA for them. Cause if you can become like a TA for certain classes, like I've been able to do like an orgo TA, orgo two TA. So you know, when you're able to TA for a class, you have like a, you can build like hardcore rapport with your professors and that's just going to make your letters of recommendations so much easier to get, right? And even with their dentists, like, you know, if you start shadowing and assisting early on, then you're building that relationship with them from the beginning. So then you can just slowly ask them for a letter of recommendation. They're like, thank God you asked me. Like, I'd be offended if you didn't ask me, right? So that's like the best part of it. Um, and so you guys mentioned that NYU kind of saw that in, in you guys. Like, you guys are really, uh, I guess, true on your on your application. So 
Uh, when you were applying to schools, how did you consider which ones to apply to? Was it just kind of like a dart on a dartboard, or you just kind of did research and kind of figure out the best fit for you guys? Um, I think um, what our approach was really, you know, stick around, you know, not too far from home. Um, but we applied to um, as far as the West Coast, maybe out in Utah, honestly. Um, but you know, just save schools in the end. But um, you know, I think for for me as as an applicant, I really I applied to I think ten or so uh, dental schools. Uh, more or less, were on the East Coast for the most part. Um, and I think uh, just having a good understanding of what you know, what the dental school is, what they're about, and what you want as a dental student from you know from this school. Because at the end of the day, you're paying a lot of money to get an education in dentistry. Um, you know, as as good or bad as that may seem, you know, you're gonna make the most of it at the end. Um, and uh, finding that school that fits you, you know, the community there, um, not only within the dental school but outside. What's the dental school? You know, look outside. Is it safe? Um, is you know, is is the environment okay? Um, and also within the dental school, how are the prof uh, professors? Um, what's the you know teacher to student ratio? Um, do you want that close knit body or do you like a bigger school? Um, and that really depends on, I guess, where you come from at from undergrad. Uh, did you go to a big school like David and I did? Uh, you know, Rutgers, the biggest class. You know, all the general, you know, the general sciences. Um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of of students in that class. Um, and I think that's something we were okay with. And that's why in, in the end, I think NYU was a good fit because we like that large body. Um, and now we have over, you know, I'd say 300 colleagues that, you know, we can share the experience with. Granted that, you know, we're separated in A and B sections, so we don't know everyone. But, um, you know, the whole thing is David and I wanted to, you know, meet new people from different, you know, backgrounds from different places. And I think NYU in the end brought us that, um, the diversity is there and, you know, all these students have so many experiences, um, and that's what kind of, uh, you know, stuck with us in the end. Um, and you know, the professors are great. So, uh, you definitely have that experience and it's in the end, it's really what you make out of your experience in dental school. You know, it could be the largest school, but you can make it the smallest based on your experiences within the program. Um, and I think David will mention the same thing. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. So I guess for me, I was kind of put into a weird limbo type of state uh, when I was applying to schools just because, you know, I took my DT in August of the same cycle that I was applying to. Um, didn't really get the grade that I want. And, you know, once I saw I got that 15 reading comprehension, that really uh, just completely <clears throat> took a hit to my confidence after that. Um, after speaking with a lot of other uh, friends, you know, who were already in dental school, like some D1s, D2s, things like that. Um, they actually, you know, encouraged me not to apply this cycle and take that year off and, um, we'll take another year off and apply the following cycle. And so, um, I remember it vividly. We had a trip to Lake George right after my DAT, like literally right after my DAT, I, I drove up to Lake George, a really long, sad drive. Um, and I was just in my thoughts, I was speaking with my brother i was speaking with you know my friends and everybody was encouraging me against it except mark 
uh, Mark really was like, listen, like they like, you know, you have an awesome application, you know, albeit, you know, you had that 15 reading comp, everything else looks good. Just go for it. Just try it out. And I'm really grateful that, you know, Mark gave me that advice because, um, it really kind of gave me that little push of confidence that I was looking for at the time. And I decided to only apply to the five schools to five programs. And this, these programs were programs that I thought I could see myself at also on the East coast, somewhere close to home. Um, but at the same time, someone, you know, some programs that really do look at your application from a holistic point of view. Um, so, uh, I decided to apply to five schools, uh, that same year. And, you know, I'm really, really happy that I did because, you know, here we are now. And, you know, had I listened to, you know, my other colleagues, my other peers, you know, I'm really grateful for them too. Don't hate to them at all. Um, you know, I wouldn't be in this position alongside Mark at NYU uh, together right now. And so I'm really, really happy that, that I ended up going with that. And so are you guys, are you guys twins? Or are you guys just brothers? Like, <laughs> what do you we're, think? We're not twins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Popular opinion. Uh, yeah, we're a year apart. Um, but everyone <laughs> decides to think that we're twins just because we're in the, you know, been doing life together for, for so long, uh, side by side, you know, we're, we're really lucky to have one another. But you know, at this point, we might as well be twins, <laughs> right? It's hilarious. I feel like we just got to start marketing ourselves as twins now, Mark. Just twin brothers. <laughs> it's actually really funny, Suraj, because every single year, literally without a beat, yeah, every year on Mark's birthday, I always have people wishing me a happy birthday as well. <laughs> and some of it is a joke. Other people are like, they actually beat it, and so. <laughs> It is really, really funny. Um, but but yeah, it was actually funny. What's it called? This past year, on your birthday, Mark, I posted something on Instagram, just kind of shouting you out, wishing you a happy birthday. Um, or I think it was actually on my birthday. It was my birthday. Somebody, one of our cousins, wished me a happy birthday, and I reposted it on my story. And one of our classmates was like, oh, wait, why did she only wish you a happy birthday and not Mark? I was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you know, it's really funny how, you know, to this day, a lot of people think that we are twins, but... You know, it's awesome. I think it really is a testament to how close we are and, and how close we hope to become as a as future dentist and, uh, you know, just kind of continue to nurture that relationship. And, uh, you know, for everyone that doesn't know, we'll obviously tell we'll, we'll obviously tell our audience, but you guys have an Instagram page called the Tooth Brothers, which is, uh, it's pretty unique. When I, when I came to plan, I was like, I got to talk to these guys. These guys look like <laughs> you're doing, they look cool. Um, so when you guys went to your interviews, did you, uh, did NYU, did you guys talk about like you guys how you guys are brothers you guys are playing the same cycle and that my brother is like Lily, probably the next room over me um yeah so Mark, go ahead go ahead david go ahead i think you have the better story <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of funny so um mark was interviewed i believe it was beginning was it end of january or beginning of february mark i think the beginning of february yeah. beginning of february so you were interviewed that friday and I literally got an interview invite the day before your interview. And I remember I was like, all right, I'm just taking the next day. And it happens to be that following Monday. So they got a, they got a nice dose of Mark that Friday. And then they got another dose of another uh, brother that following Monday. And so um, at least for me, when I went into my interview, I already knew that Mark interviewed. They already got a chance to meet him. And I was like, you know what? I got to like throw it in somehow. I got to throw it in somehow that, you know... <laughs> And my brother also applied that he actually just interviewed literally two days ago. Um, and that's what I did. So the way NYU has its interviews, you walk into a room and the first interview, it's two interviews. The first interview was by, you know, by a faculty member. Um, so for me, I believe it was an oral surgeon that, that interviewed me. 
And then the second interview is someone on admissions committee who really just kind of wants to get to know you a little bit better and also just see if you're comfortable, you know, moving to the city and going to school in the city and being at NYU and kind of just getting your, your headspace on that. And so for me, my first interview, I actually walked out of that interview saying there's no chance I'm getting into NYU. There's no shot because everyone before that was like, yeah, man, you know, it's really conversational. Like you're going to be completely fine. It's all good. And <laughs> I'm the type of guy that like I vibe off of other people's energy. You know, the energy that they give me is what I give. And so right out the jump, like this, you know, my interviewer, just like question, answer, question, answer, question. And I hate that. I hate that. I'm a really great conversationalist, but when you're just throwing questions and I'm expected to answer it, I just start sweating. I, you know, start like, you know, tapping my foot nervously. Uh, I walked out of the interview, like there's no way I'm getting in. There's no way. And then that second interview with the admissions committee was much, much better. It was much, you know, a lot more chill. And that's where I mentioned that, you know, my brother, Mark Abayev, he actually interviewed, you know, this past Friday. And, you know, I remember the interviewer going, oh, it'd be so nice to have you guys both here. And I'm like, yeah, what? where's that acceptance? I was like, please. <laughs> so, so that was like a really funny uh, moment. But, but yeah, I think they really liked the fact that, you know, Mark and I were, were committed to it together. And I think it really showed, we were able to showcase our love and passion, not only for dentistry, but also for NYU. Um, you know, to the to the committee, and um, they really loved that, and they it really spoke to them, and it led to us getting acceptance literally back to back. You know, a month later. For sure, yeah, it's it's insane how that whole interview process worked out. Where it was within a week, uh, you know, we we got that um, you know interview invite, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, both my interviews uh, were, I think, uh, general dentists, and uh, they were both chill, both uh, good dialogue. Um, first one, you know, I really had a great conversation. I really bonded with her and just had a great conversation, you know, just uh, getting to know her. And likewise, she was getting to know me as an applicant. Um, and um, yeah, we I left uh, out that, you know, I left that room just smiling just because I knew, you know, you know, we had that connection and was able to run with it. Um, yeah, just, you know, wherever you can, you know, just, um, try to try to be yourself and um you know don't sweat it as much you know uh, because everything in the end will work work out uh the way it's supposed to um you know i worked i actually went into the the interview with a flat tire believe it or not so i i didn't uh i didn't make it uh you know on time more or less but uh, i was able to joke around with with everyone there and they understood you know life happens um and uh was able to make the most of it um but uh yeah interesting experience but nonetheless um glad everything worked out for david and i um within a month or so you know it was great <clears throat> yeah i mean so what kind of what kind of questions did they end up asking you guys like what kind of conversations did you guys have did you guys have conversations you know based on your personal statement or was it kind of just like on who you are or what they're doing interests stuff like that so pretty much, yeah, based on more or less you as a person and then what your experiences were like. So I spoke a lot about, you know, the research that I did uh, in my master's um, just because it was dental related and we were both able to kind of connect over that um, and just experiences, um, you know, shadowing. Um, a lot of it was just very general, basic questions uh, and it was just them wanting to get to know you a little more. 
Um, and it's pretty much up to you where you take that conversation. Uh, so it could be, you know, a short interview and just as great, or it could be a pretty long interview and, uh, you know, you feel good about the connection that you've established with the interviewer. And in the end, for me, I like to, you know, have a good conversation just to get to know the, uh, the person better. Uh, and that's what I ended up doing. You know, we had, uh, you know, 10, 15 minute conversation on just, you know, um, me as an applicant and, uh, she actually graduated from NYU as well. So that was kind of interesting. So I got to ask her a couple questions about her experience in dental school here at NYU, but yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty simple and, uh, nothing to sweat, nothing to sweat. So contrary to Mark, I sweated a lot on my interview. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I wish I had the same experience with Mark, but, but I didn't, unfortunately. Uh, which is fine. You know, it's great. You know, if anything, I, I don't look at these moments of kind of like hardship or, or these obstacles that are thrown at me as, you know, as such, I look at them as opportunity to learn and to grow and really just develop, you know, continue developing myself as a person. Um, so that my interview experience was kind of like I, how I mentioned earlier, was a lot more straightforward in the sense of question and answer right out the, you know, throughout the entire process. Um, some of the questions that I was asked was, you know, uh, why dentistry, why NYU? So those typical questions that, you know, you're, you're, you're expecting from an interview. Um, and then my interview, my interviewer got into a little bit more of the specifics about me and my application. And she asked, you know, she addressed my 15 reading comprehension. So, um, really like my best advice, to a lot of, you know, applicants, if they're really worried about their interview, just have, you know, a good plan laid out as to how you're going to approach, you know, those negatives or downfalls in your application. Um, at the end of the day, they're not really negatives. You know, they shouldn't really be looked at as negatives because listen, you're in an interview, you got interviewed. They already like what they see on paper. Just explain yourself and be honest with, with them and, um, just show that you're capable of growing, uh, and improving yourself. Um, so I had to address that. And then I was also asked a ethical dilemma question. So, you know, she pretty much asked me, you know, what's the ethical dilemma that you were involved in and how did you go, go about approaching it? Um, and I know a lot of people like to kind of, you know, joke about and joke around with that question and just they use this, you know, classic, oh, like, you know, I saw somebody cheating and this and that, like, that's really, really normal. But, um, I'd encourage people to kind of think a little bit outside the box and don't feel the need that you need to answer the question, like immediately take time, time to think, because if anything, it shows the interviewer that you really care about this question and you care about the interview as a whole. And so, um, it just really kind of shows them that, that you are an individual that, uh, listens, but is also able to develop your thoughts. And then after that, you know, be able to share them. So I think, um, you know, if you do poorly on a DAT section, you might not have as much clinical experience as they would like. I don't know. Um, you know, them giving you an opportunity to talk about it. I feel like that's a leg up, right? Cause you don't want. I feel like you'd almost want it to be addressed, like the the yeah. application, right? So you can you have a chance to to defend yourself in the situation, right? So I think it's the elephant in the room. Yeah, they're not trying to like get you; they're just trying to understand. Uh, you know, because I don't know if on the application you're not, you're not you can't really explain why you maybe maybe got a low score or something, right? So no, not really, right? Being able to do it face to face might be a lot better. Um, so did you guys have any interviews anywhere else, or um, did you guys face any other questions that you kind of were like, dang, that's that's a tough one. 
So yeah, I had an interview out in uh, Utah, actually, of all places, uh, out in Roseman, uh, Roseman College or Roseman University. Uh, so they're a newer dental school out in Utah, um, and it was uh, it was a pretty, pretty much full day um, thing um, where they had presentations set for us in the morning. And then in the afternoon, um, pretty much we we had a break, eight, and then it was interview time. So we had um, we had one interview, and there was one faculty member with two students uh, in the same room as you, um, and there were six other uh, applicants pretty much interviewed at the same time, um, you know, at each session, um, and that interview was. A little bit more nerve-wracking uh, in a sense because you had three people in the room asking you, you know, questions and trying to get to know you a little better. Um, but um, you know, again, just uh, be yourself. You know, be honest with what you have on the application because in the end, um, you know, everything you have on the application um, is what they know about you. They just want to know. You know, they want to know it from your perspective um, and they want to hear your story. Um, and I think, um, you know, once, once you do that and once they see through, you know, the words on paper, they're ca capable of connecting with you on a, on another level where you want, you know, where you want them to be, uh, you want them to be in a place where they're comfortable with you. That way they see you in their dental school, um, because you're pitching yourself at the end of the day, this is a business interview. Um, you know, um, as much as they're pitching you know, us, you know, their dental school, we're pitching, you know, ourselves to, to them. Um, and that's what it should be. But uh, aside from the pitch, you know, it should be more personable and it should be relatable. Um, you know, we're all humans. We all make mistakes. And that's maybe something that you want to highlight, you know, something in your experience where, you know, you made a mistake or, um, you know, you did something and you overcame it. Um, that's at the end, you know, what they want to hear. They want to hear that you have grit, that you have perseverance and, uh, you're able to get through hard challenges because that's what dental school is. It's a four year, uh, challenge, um, each year with its own challenges, but yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah, kind of like what Mark was mentioning, like the challenges really shouldn't be setting you back. It's what really what makes you unique, what makes you, you, um, and at the end of the day, <clears throat> If you're able to overcome um, really the smallest of challenges, it really goes away um, and it shows them that you are capable of really overcoming anything. Um, so for myself, I also had the opportunity to interview with Toro. Um, they were my first interview. So I got the invite in October and I interviewed with them in January. Um, so by then they, you know, it was already after decision day. A lot of people already accepted um, their offers. Um, so it was a little bit nerve wracking, but my Toro interview, I actually loved, you know, it was, it was a really great experience. Um, they also kind of made it into this whole, you know, day where you got a chance to tour the school, you speak to, with some students, um, you know, you ate some food, which is great always. Um, but also just in general, the interviewer was really, really nice. Uh, it was really personable and that interview, that entire interview was just a conversation. You know, I think we started off with my experience being in a fraternity, I think he said, oh, like you're in a fraternity, like that's actually really impressive. The fact that you were able to manage, you know, your social life alongside your academics. And he, you know, he started talking about his son who was also in a fraternity, um, who was actually in the same fraternity as I was. So kind of like, you know, you were able to relate to it a lot of times. Yeah. So it was awesome. 
Um, and yeah, it was just a really, really nice conversation. And I actually, you, you know, walked out of the interview saying, okay, I can see myself going here. You know, at first I was like, I was really gung-ho about NYU. I loved NYU. I, I knew I wanted to be there. But after my experience with Toro, it really kind of opened my eyes that, okay, maybe there is another school that, that could potentially be for me. Um, I ended up getting a deferred acceptance from Toro. Um, so that's why I decided to go with NYU at the end of the day, just because, you know, they just gave me an acceptance into their incoming class. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm really, really happy with my decision and yeah, never looked back since. Is this is a deferred exception just basically like a semester later that you would join it? So no, not necessarily. Pretty much what that meant was they wanted me, I, and I guess it has to do with the fact that I got the 15 and reading comprehension, you know, twice at that point. Um, what they wanted me to do with that deferred acceptance was I would have to take a couple extra more science classes at the University of Maine, I think they wanted me to go to, um, which was really, really specific. Uh, <laughs> but I think it was online at that point too, so whatever. Yeah. Um, and then they wanted me to retake my DAT again. Um, I just kind of developed my application, but it pretty much meant that like, hey, you have a spot, you have a seat in our next class. So instead of being in the class of 2024 like I am now, I would have been in their class of 2025. Uh, which, you know, obviously is, you know, a great fallback, but my goal, my mindset, like now that I knew I had these interviews behind me, they know who I am as a person. I knew that I wanted to get into school that cycle. And I was committed to that. I stayed true to that. And I, you know, made sure that that was going to happen. You know, that, you know, that fallback was not an option and, you know, thankfully it worked out. Yeah, it's great to hear. So once you guys got these, um, interviews out the way what was the next step like did you guys go to orientation for NYU the next fall or um yeah so what, what, what was kind of the process after you got done with interviews so once I you know I finished interviews I think the next step was just sending out uh thank you emails to to you know the, the people I met the interviewers specifically um just to kind of uh give them a feel for how I felt about the program and um just thanking them for their time you know at the end of the day um, you know, they went about, you know, you know, booking their whole day just for interviews. Um, uh, and I think, uh, admissions offices love to see that. I think they leave that in your, your you know, application folder or whatever it is. Um, and, um, just showing them some gratitude at the end of the day and, you know, saying, you know, you know, I really like the school or whatever it is. And, you know, I really want to go here or whatever it may be. I think a lot of schools want to see that you're committed to the school. Um, and I think, they base off their decision, their, you know, your acceptance at the end of the day, based on that, you know, if you're committed to the school, they know that, you know, there's a good chance of you going there. Um, and you're not going to be, you know, sticking around for other interviews and, you know, waiting for other decisions from other schools. Um, and I think for a lot of schools, um, you know, as big as NYU, I think they, they like to see that. Um, and um, aside from the thank you emails, I think, the next step was really just, um, you know, just waiting it out. And then, you know, for me, it was finishing off my master's. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, just it's a waiting game at the end. You know, you, 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 you did so much, you prepared so, so much. And, um, I think, uh, you, know, you just got to hope for the best. And, you know, sometimes you have to send many emails other than the thank yous um and just give them a taste of how you feel about the program and um your your you know um com commitment to the school pretty much 
Sirach was a question after you get the acceptance or yeah so after i mean like after interview. after you get interviewed and stuff like what was the next steps after that so oh okay, right right yeah so exactly mark kind of hit the nail on the head with that one uh really just sending out those thank you emails is super super important um i know nyu they sent us an email after the interview um that has the contact information of those that we of the people that we spoke with uh which is really really helpful in terms of uh you know following up with that um so that was really important and and yeah, at the end of the day, and especially like, you know, I know this speaks, this whole true for NYU specifically, uh, um, they really want to see that you're committed to them. You know, like they want to see that, like, listen, should I get the acceptance? I'm 100% without a doubt going to be going to your school because at the end of the day, they don't want to waste their time. They're also really busy. They're, you know, splitting through thousands of applications and they're not going to give the acceptance to somebody who, you know, is like very laissez-faire in their approach to the interview and, and in their application um, thereafter. Um, and they really, they'd rather give, you know, the acceptance to somebody who say, for example, has a 15 in the reading comprehension section, uh, and is committed to NYU versus somebody who has a 24 in the reading comprehension section and isn't committed, you know, they'd much rather look into that. So, um, right after the interview, uh, I would highly, highly recommend, you know, students to, um, continue to follow up with them every couple of weeks, give them a phone call, give, you know, send them, send out an email. Um, update them with what's going on since you last interviewed, since you last spoke with them. Uh, what are you doing to prepare yourself for, for dental school or prepare yourself for their program specifically? Uh, maybe continue the conversation with, you know, the interviewers that you spoke about. Like if say, for example, you spoke about research with one of the interviewers, continue that conversation, you know, see what it is that they're doing at the school. Um, so really just show interest. And I think that's really why at the end of the day, I was able to get that acceptance, even though I had that big blunder in my application, um, they really saw that I was committed to to them. And uh, I think the day that I got my acceptance, I actually got a phone call from the director the director of admissions, Dr. Nahia. And she was like, listen, like, you know, we really like what we see. We just want to know, are you good to come to NYU? Are you committed to us? And I said, listen, I'm committed. Send out that acceptance letter. I'll send out the $5,000 deposit that next day. I got it. You got my, you got my heart. You got my soul. I'm, I'm all about NYU put on my purple sweater after that, good to go. <laughs> so say that's really what they want to see. That's really what they want to see. And I'm sure that speaks to that speaks true to a lot of other schools as well. They just want to know that you're committed. So setting up, you know, setting out those sending out those follow-up emails um is really, really important. I think at the end of the day, it's kind of like you gotta think about how the schools like they want to accept people that are actually going to come to the school, right? Right. So if you accept somebody who has like maybe 10 other acceptances, there's a very low chance they come to your school. Unless, like they explicitly said that that's a school they want to go to. So, I mean, I guess advice is to, you know, to any students who finish the interview process, like just keep on reaching out to them and kind of make yourself, um, make yourself known to them, I guess. Cause I mean, the more that they remember your name, the more that you'll have a better chance of getting it, right? So that's kind of the name of the game. Um, so, yeah. So, so what do you expect? What were your expectations going into your D1 year at NYU and kind of how did you, how were those, were those expectations met? And did you, you know, what was your experience like? I think uh, D1 was a crazy adjustment. Uh, I think it was not what I expected in terms of just the rigors of the curriculum. It was a lot more than, honestly, the master's program that I that I went to over at Rutgers. Um, uh, you know, there's, I think, 20 plus credits that you're taking that first semester. Um, and they really... Um, I mean, this was also during COVID, so everything was more or less online. Uh, so what they did in terms of curriculum, they pushed all their didactics uh, work, all the courses 
into you know the first and second years. Um, that way, we have more time in clinic when it comes to D three, D four. You know, um, and I think, you know, I mean, this past semester, I think we took maybe over 25, 30 credits just of, of hard uh, didactic courses. Um, so they really stuff it in, you know, the first couple of years. And I think later half of D3, D4, um, you're more or less smooth sailing. Um, you know, it's it's a crazy adjustment, but you have to, you know, time manage your, you know, your, your time and, uh, you know, your, your schedule because you're, you know, between rotating and studying for classes, going to lectures or whatever, um, you know, it's, it's a huge adjustment and, um, maybe you're not used to it. Maybe you're coming in from a gap year or whatever it may be. Um, and, um, you know, I think looking back at it now, um, you know, the spring semester of D1, excuse me I think you're able to um you're able to look back and just make those kind of adjustments in terms of time management and see what works see what doesn't in terms of studying so I think uh I think you're you know able to move on and just continue grinding out all those hours of you know um, didactics for sure um yeah so for I think it was the week that we got accepted mark that COVID really hit the fan uh, when that's when the shutdown happened. And so I think it was, it came as a surprise to um, us and also the school as well, because they had no idea how to approach it. Obviously, everything was completely new. Uh, there really was no former policy or guidance, you know, in place. Um, so our orientation um, was a lot different from the past years in that it was completely online. So it was yeah. two days of, you know, full day Zoom lectures and calls and stuff like that. So it definitely was a completely different experience than what we expected going into it. Um, but I think, you know, again, it's fine. You know, it happens. You know, this, this type of stuff you can't prepare for. And you just kind of have to approach it, you know, with a smile on your face. And, um, you know, in terms of the experience that we got our first year, it really wasn't the best. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Um, we were mainly online, as Mark said. I think in the fall, so we start in the summer. We start like, I think, July, uh, beginning of July. Um, with our classes and with our didactics. Uh, so right. typically we would already be in the lab. We would, we would already get our hands dirty. We would already start playing around with the drill and wax ups, things like that. But that didn't start for us until the fall. And even then, I believe under normal circumstances, D1s at NYU would have on average anywhere from like six to nine hours every single week of uh, of being in school, you know, working with your hands. But for us, we only had three hours a week. We were only coming in once a week you know, I believe from like six to nine. Um, and that's really where we were able to kind of get our practice in. Um, and it did kind of hurt us, I feel like, in terms of our, our experience and also just being able to be get getting stuff up where we're comfortable working with our hands. But uh, that adjustment is really, really quick. You know, at the end of the day, like by the time we were in D2, we were already in the lab a couple, you know, a lot more and we we're able to play around with the drill a lot more. And by the time now that we're in D3 and we're actually in the clinic, we're actually working on real patients. Um, at least for me personally, I feel very comfortable working, you know, with a drill, working with a handpiece. Um, I just doing a lot of the procedures that we learned about, you know, our first two years. So the beginning was kind of a little bit rough, I'll be honest, because on top of that, you're also learning how to manage your time best uh, with studying and stuff like that. So the courses that they throw at you the first year are very, very heavy science-based. 
Um, and it's kind of like a repeat of all of undergrad just packed into one semester. Um, so it could be a little bit challenging, but um, I think, again, you just have to be able to adjust yourself, adjust your schedule, um, and understand that there, there's going to be situations that are thrown at you in life that you're not going to be prepared for, but it really is your reaction and your response to them that really shows who you are as a person and, and the type of person that you'll become as a dentist and a, and a future practitioner. So I think really feel like it helped develop us as people. And honestly, I'm really grateful for the opportunity and really grateful for that experience. Yeah, I mean, that's a major setback to to get accepted and then just COVID just hit, everything just hits the wall. And now you just lapse your muscle face. Now you're just at home, just like, what are you supposed to do as an L student? But I guess you're making the best out of it. And um, so, so did you guys get into more clinical stuff? You said D2 to D3 year, maybe, right? Yeah. Um. So what, what kind of, so you worked on patients already. So how was that first experience? Like, you know, like going from, you know, like a, ma- a dummy to maybe an actual person. I think it really hits you when a patient calls you doctor. Um. You know, you're, I think it's like, wow, you know, you're, you're in all these courses and now people are starting to call you doctor and i'm like no no no, i'm not a doctor yet you know i'm still a student dentist um but it's it's you know an amazing feeling where you know someone can trust you from the get-go without even knowing you um you know people just see that you know you're you're here to to provide the help that they're there for um and um you know all those hours of just studying and you know preparing for this moment um it it's you know it's a blessing you know um, but, uh, I think, uh, having the experiences in clinic, um, um, really prepare you and especially in preclinic where pretty much you're playing around with that drill, um, you're getting your, you know, your hand mo- emotions, right. Um, you know, and you see that and it kind of really translates into, you know, the clinic where you're working on the patient population. Um, and, um, you know. The first experience that I had was I fixed um, a class four. It was a porcelain veneer, and you know I had faculty come over, and you know they really loved you know what I had done. And you know those moments, those little small moments, are what push you to you know be your best and continue pushing for uh, for better. Um, and it really just kind of helped me brighten my you know perspective on you know what that dentistry is because it's really um, all experiences that you, you know, have and that you're, you know, culminating over the years, um, you know, it's at these moments where you're able to continue to push uh, forward and uh, push for the best because there are no limits in any industry um, for the best. Um, and in dentistry, um, you know, that's just another case where you get to see that. Um, and, you know, um, I think just continuing to push yourself continuing to learn from the faculty on the clinic floor um um and you know working side side by side with them uh just to provide that excellent uh patient doctor experience for sure all right yeah so um the transition could definitely be a lot you know working with mannequins working with dummies you know you're kind of a little bit careless or you really don't care as much um so going into clinic i think it was really really interesting because now like mark said like this is a real person this is a live person who's entrusting you with their dental care and their oral health and so it really kind of just puts into perspective and my first experience it definitely is a little bit nerve-wracking you know the handshaking a little bit 
you know, the, the sweat isn't dripping down your face. But at the end of the day, you really become a lot more confident and knowing that, you know, these last two years, you've learned everything that, you know, got you to this point. And you just got to trust and believe in yourself. Um, and a lot of times, like you have your faculty there by your side, helping you out, walking you through. If you need help, like they're there for you. They make themselves available to you. So I think it makes it a lot easier knowing that you have a support system. And NYU has a really unique thing that they do in that they pair up a D4 and D3 student. Um, so in the beginning, you're kind of like the assistant as a D3. Um, and as time goes on, they entrust you with more procedures and uh, with more patient care. And so that's kind of where we're at right now, where we've already been doing a lot of restorations. We've been doing a lot of cleanings, a lot of scaling and replanings, just pretty much like deep cleanings, uh, a lot of like composite work. So it all prepares us into this next semester that we're going into now, where we're, now we're going to be able to be exposed to literally any procedure. Um, so I really think even though it is a little bit nerve wracking going into it, it really does prepare you and you'll be, you'll be good. And I think a really important difference that I noted too was that the teeth that we're working on in preclinic, the plastic teeth, are much more difficult to work on than real teeth. So um, I think that was really, really nice knowing that. Uh, like the drill is a lot more, you know, cuts a lot more smoothly in real teeth. And, uh, you know, the teeth aren't as tight as it is in the, in the mannequin. So just believe in your ability, believe in everything that you've learned these last two years and everything will. Yeah, I mean, I also want to ask like, Emory has a reputation of being a really large school, right? Like, three, is it 300 people in your class? About? About, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, d does that, do you find as a hindrance or did that kind of actually increase collaboration amongst you guys and kind of, uh, you know, made you guys a big family? Yeah, I think you're going to find having friends in a big, you know, school environment is really important because, uh, you know, without them, you know, you're not going to really, you're not going to have the experience, the, the whole comprehensive experience, which is dental school. You know, um, I think those people are meant to, you know, help you, you know, and further you in, uh, you know, just graduating at the end of the day. Um, and I think looking back at it, looking at it right now, um, you know, have, you know, having friends really helps you, um, through the lows and the highs. Um, and, um, you definitely need that support system while you're in dental school, um, because they're going to be the ones cheering you on. They're going to be the ones, you know, talking, you know, with you about, you know, that bad grade or, you know, that retake that you had to do. Um, so, you know, having a good support system in dental school is really important. And, um, you know, David and I are glad to have that, you know, in, in NYU. You know, you're able to find so many personalities and make friends with literally anyone. It's just up to you at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's kind of the, the special part about going into the profession that we're in. You know, dentistry kind of requires the individual to be very social and very personable. And so you take, you know, 300 plus of these personalities and these types of characters uh, and put them all in, under one roof. And it's honestly makes for a really, really nice big family. Uh, I know a lot of people they get intimidated knowing that that there's a, such a big class and there's not as great of a um, faculty student you know dynamic, but NYU really makes it work in the sense that there's a lot of TAs that they that they have there's a lot of faculty that you know they call upon, um, so I never personally really felt that and kind of ha as we mentioned earlier it really is what you make of it you know you could be as in the faculty space as you like or you could be as quiet as you like. Um, so if you're really looking for that that more one-on-one -on -one interaction, 
it's there for you. You know, you just got to take it. So I personally love it. I love being able to meet so many different people. I love getting to hear other people's stories and, and you know, their backgrounds, where they came from, what they want to do. Um, and it also helps, you know, Mark and I kind of determine how we want to be as dentists in the future, because um, there's so many incredible people at NYU and so many incredible classmates that we're able to relate to. And at the end of the day, we're just kind of there bouncing ideas off of one another. And um, also just really grateful for, you know, the close friends that we've developed in dental school, you know, and really grateful that NYU really brought us all together. That's kind of reassuring, right? Because I, I didn't really think about having, you know, I feel like Stony Brook, Stony Brook has like, I think it's like 40 students in their class. It's very yeah. small, right? Very, very small. And that's how like my college is too. So, um, you know, maybe me going to NYU or something like that, uh, a larger class size may actually initiate more collaboration. You might even learn more just because you have more people to talk to and um, more experiences to draw upon, I guess. That's kind of how I guess you would approach that. Um, so, you know, finishing off here, what are you guys' goals for the future? Like, uh, where do you guys see yourself in maybe two or three years, specializing maybe? Um, yeah, well, what, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think, you know, being in dental school for close to three years already, um, I think it gives you a good perspective on what you want to do. Um, because, you know, the first two years are meant for rotating. And even now, we're still rotating between uh, various specialty clinics. Um, and I think just thinking about it, I think, you know, once we graduate, we're definitely going to do the GPR, um, which isn't a requirement in most states, but I think it is a requirement in New York and Delaware states. Um, but uh, it's, you know, it's all about the experience at the end of the day. Um, you know, rotating in a hospital is going to give you certain experiences that you won't have in general clinic. Um, and uh, making the most of it in those experiences, I think really gives you um, a well-rounded, um, you know, uh, experience within dentistry as a whole. But um, I think looking forward, I think I'm just more interested in aesthetic side of dentistry, um, just because there's a lot of, um, you know, there's symmetry and, you know, the way the smile looks from the outside, um, you're able to compare and just, uh, you know, be an artist at the end of the day, you're yeah. a dental architect. Um, and, uh, you know, from the gums all the way to the teeth, um, you know, and that's what really gets me going. That's what's really interesting um, when I look at dentistry. <clears throat> yeah so a lot of people i guess when they when they find out that we're both going to dentistry they you know right away assume that you know maybe one of them is going to be a general dentist and the other one's going to go into specialty just to kind of like broaden their horizons in a way um but i think kind of how mark mentioned these past three years we've kind of got to rotate through different specialty clinics we've got to experience what it is like to be this specific specialty or this specific dentist um, and I think we both kind of fell in love with the general side of dentistry and the fact that we're able to do um, so many different procedures and we're pretty much are able to kind of help direct an individual's oral health uh, from a general stand standpoint. And so a lot of times with, special with specialists, um, they're more so focused on their specific specialty. So periodontists are only looking at your gums, endo, they're only looking at your root canals and your, and your uh, pulp. Um, so for us, we both really like having that that general overview um, and kind of how Mark was talking about aesthetics. Uh, aesthetics is really, really unique in the sense that you're really able to have such a huge impact on a person's life 
Um, you're able to increase their confidence level. You're able to make them smile again. You're able to make them shave that mustache off, you know, just because they were using that to, to hide their smile. So seeing that impact and seeing that reaction from from people, uh, it's really, really inspiring. And it really kind of helps push you forward um, and kind of reach for for more and, and do better. Um, it's really kind of hone in on your craft. And kind of how Mark was mentioning, we're an artist, you know, we're really our artists. And that's really what dentistry encapsulates. It really is, you know, you're a practitioner, you're a businessman, you're an artist, you're an architect, you're an engineer, you're all these different professions combined into one nice little package that is dentistry and um, being able to have that that impact on a person's life is just super, super gratifying and something that I'm grateful for and I'm starting to see while I'm working with my patients in the clinic and, and hopefully to many more to come. And that's awesome. It's kind of like a full circle moment for you guys. I mean, uh, I'm sure you guys can do great things in the future. I have no doubt about it. Uh, thank you. So, <laughs> thank thank you. One, so one last question. Um, How did you guys start up your social media presence? I feel like I want to ask you, like, what inspired you guys to start up Tooth Bros? And what kind of is it? Just like you guys want to help other people, or is it just kind of like you gotta, you guys want to document your story? I think uh, more or less, it's a bit of both. You know, we wanted to be there for you know pre dental students the way you know other uh, dental students have been there for us. Uh, I think our page serves as uh, motivation for pre dental students and dental students alike. Um, it's meant to foster, uh, you know. Um, a sense of collaboration and just be there for one another. Um, I think what's really nice about dentistry is we really have a large community uh, within, you know, the states and also abroad. Um, everyone is so friendly to kind of share um, their experiences and, you know, the knowledge that they have. Um, and I think that's what we're meant, you know, meant to do. You know, we're meant to foster that um that sense of community and that sense of uh, knowledge, um, you know, across wherever, you know, you may be in, you know, your dentistry life, I guess, whether it be in pre-dental or dental or already, you know, dentist. Um, and that's something that we wanted to do, at, you know, as well as just document where we are in our evolution of, you know, becoming dentists. Um, because, you know, we've worked so hard to get to this point. Um, a lot of hours have been put, you know, from us and, you know, also our parents are, you know, are to thank. Um, but um, we just want to share what we know and uh, also, you know, uh, kind of intake, you know, from other uh, dental accounts um, because they're just as important. They share just as much information as we do because everyone has their own experiences to share and um, everyone is unique in their own way. Um, so that's, I think what we're meant here for, you know, just to kind of give and take more or less. <laughs> right. Right. So tooth bros is, is honestly something that, um, kind of has evolved into what it is today in a sense of, we started off really with the intention of just documenting our, our journey and sharing our story as brothers in dentistry. Uh, and now it's kind of evolved into this nice close knit community. Um, and you know, we get a lot of messages from from a lot of our followers a lot of times that that really, you know, share their appreciation for you know the content that we're putting out, um, and that really kind of pushes us to keep on doing and being better. Um, you know, it's all the people that that you know are following along on the ride, and um, as much as it is, you know, for us, um, Mark and I are the type of people where. Um, 
we're super, super grateful for, for where we are today in the position that we are today. And we just want to be, be able to give back and, and to, you know, have that ability through social media, through Instagram. Um, it's really, really unique. And, um, at the end of the day, like as Mark was mentioning, we've had a lot of great people that kind of guided us, held our hand throughout the process. And we want to be that source of inspiration for others as well. And a lot of times, I don't know if, you know, you could relate to this, Mark, I think you can. Um, but for me, you know, going into dentistry, a lot of times I didn't know if I was good enough. I didn't know if I had what it takes to, to become a dentist or to get through dental school and to get through all these, you know, the rigors of the curriculum. Like it's, it's really, really challenging. And a lot of times I was doubting myself, uh, you know, every time I got that bad grade or, or that bad result or, you know, something didn't work out the way that I wanted it to, I would always find myself questioning, you know, my abilities. And so I feel like a lot of people are in a similar boat and just to be able to share my story and, and Mark's story as well, and kind of combine it into one package that is tooth bros. Um, I think it really is inspiring to a lot of people. And, uh, if we're able to just impact even just one person, you know, that means the world to us. And, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to have that impact on, on a much larger scale in the future. I love that positive energy behind it. I mean, honestly, like when I looked at your guys' page, I was like, these guys are not doing it for like the image or anything. They're doing it because they actually, they definitely have a story behind them and they just want to share it and help other people, right? So that's kind of um, why I want you guys to have, why I want you to have you guys on. I think that's, I can't wait to share the story to our platform and uh, and beyond. So, so that's include our this episode of Dose in the Podcast. Thank you, Mark and David, for joining me and sharing your experiences. Um, your insight was definitely valuable, and I hope that'll be the same for our free dental listeners. Um, everyone, please feel free to reach out to Mark and David at their socials if you have any further questions. Um, lastly, we thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to follow us on Instagram and Spotify. We'll see you next time for another Dose of Dental Knowledge. <laughs>